Pilot Boys episode 134. Today it's our news and notes segment. We are talking about a little bit of celebrity attacks that have been happening with Chappelle and Chris Paul's family. We're talking about Jack Harlow's new album. We're talking about Kendrick, who's dropping this week. The NBA playoffs, some changes in boxing as Canelo loses, and a gas price is hitting record record highs. So on that note, get ready for your information high as the Pilot Boys get ready to take off. Strap in those seatbelts. Toss those tray tables up and get ready to lift off. Let's go. Welcome to the Pilot Boys Podcast, where you'll get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. And here are your hosts, Vishwant and Partha. All right, V. So uh, I think, uh, you know, I think it's, it's funny when we start with these, like, crazy like headlines of things that are happening these days because i think it just underscores how nuts everybody feels right now yeah you know we had the will smith slap a couple weeks ago the slap heard around the world um you know i've heard it compared to the shot that started the revolutionary war many a time (laughs) and it may have been broadcast to more people than that gunshot and (laughs) that started kind of i think like this wave of okay like we don't really we don't really have any sort of mental framework anymore in society. We saw somebody rush Dave Chappelle last week, and uh, it was a. I saw the video. I mean, the dude was definitely like not the most coordinated in terms of what he was trying to do. Kind of slipped on his way over to Dave Chappelle, kind of semi tackled him. He got pulled off by security, got his ass beat in the back, and then rushed off in an ambulance. Homeboy had a weird like knife situation that was like a knife inside of a fake gun, which I I don't know how he got either one of those (laughs) two things. (laughs) First of all, all, why would you make a knife and then put it inside of a gun? I don't know what the purpose of that is. Very, very, very confusing, very confusing times. Um, It was interesting just on that story, the contrast, right? Like I I forget who brought it up, but somebody brought it up in terms of, you know, if that guy was a celebrity, um, isn't this what should have happened to Will Smith at the Oscars, right? When he went and slapped Chris Rock, shouldn't have he been bum rushed by security and, and, and and physically handled and t- and removed from from the situation. I just thought that was funny. Obviously, that's not going to happen in Hollywood and celebrity yeah. to a celebrity, but it just shows the contrast, right? And then also, you know, what was more disturbing was the the, the obviously that was disturbing. Don't <laughs> was, it was even more disturbing um, or as disturbing was what happened to Chris Paul's family there is an obligation to protect the families of players um and of of people people have the right to to their safety um in these in these environments and i think overall there's this is twofold right like um in certain situations celebrities are overprotected in other situations um they're not seeing the protection that um they should expect or receive and in general just people right like you said this is about what's happening in America more than anything. There's a lot of polarization. People are being fed with information constantly that is upsetting them or making them lose their marbles and make decisions to do things like this. In addition, I think that the Chris Paul situation was more, you know, that was a kid looking for attention um, and not understanding just basic social etiquette of, you know, 
time and place um, and personal space. Um, I think his his desire to just get to and, and once he found out those were Chris Paul's family members to get to them and and actually think that he was entitled um, to a hug or whatever he was trying to get from them um, is very awkward. Um, but it just goes to show, you know, attention mental health, what we talked about last week, are, are two issues that um, for human beings, we're not handling too well. And, and it is happening pretty frequently. We've always had kind of nuts and people lose their shit, but it just seems to be now something that happens uh, more and more frequently. Yeah, I saw some comments that with uh, Chris Paul's mom um, saying that the guy was just like wasted essentially and just kept saying happy Mother's Day, happy Mother's Day and kept trying to hug her after she was like, yo, I'm good, dude. And I think that's just like, yeah, I think we've all seen that college frat kid that acts like that. And, uh, you know, you talk about it when it comes to like how sexual assault and all of that is governed on campuses this is that same mentality of like, hey, that space is somebody else's and you have to have, you know, uh, consent to take it and to, to share it with them. And I think that there is, you know, this this problem that um, there's folks out there that just genuinely think that they can kind of do whatever they want to do without considering how it makes the other person feel. And, um, you know, I mean, obviously, like being drunk uh, doesn't excuse an action either. And so it's just it's a situation where you just kind of have to be mindful of what you're up to. And if you're out in public, like at an NBA game, like maybe don't get so drunk, you're going to make a decision that, you know, is going to get you banned for uh, the entire year from, you know, your favorite team's arena. Yeah. And I think also, I mean, the NBA and professional sports leagues and 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 they have a lot of issue. The players have a lot of issue with the lack of protection um, and the lack of care that they are that they are offered um, and their families are offered at these games. And it, it goes to show, you know, and, and the Chris Paul situation was one in which, you know, how are you supposed to react when you feel like your family is threatened and you're on the court? Like there are certain things that, it, that you have an obligation as a human being to the people that you care about to react a certain way. Um, and to, to get fined, you know, for him wanting to get in the stands, like, the 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 solution is not finding Chris Paul. The solution is creating an environment that people feel safe, players feel safe, um, and not just think about the bottom the bottom line and the fact that these fans are are generating revenue. These problems can be solved easily. Creating a special section for opposing teams' players, having security in those places. These are measures that obviously are required now, considering the way of the world. I personally. I'm always uncomfortable going to places with large crowds now. Um, and, but there are protections that I think all of these organizations need to consider um, to prevent some of these things um, from happening. Yeah. I, I mean, that's my, that's my entire stance on music festivals. That's why I don't go to music festivals is that I've been, you know, after like the first like festival type event I went to and I was in GA and you, you have the, the dude who took, the way too many drugs you don't even know what they're on slamming into you over and over yeah their arms around you're getting hit like left and right it's not an enjoyable experience <laughs> and I think, no like, it's not no an nba game is contrasted with that i think it's surprising 
uh, as well that you know people even care about Chris Paul's family. That's yeah. strange in general. Like, yeah, he's just random people, man. Like, yeah. it's just like just doesn't really doesn't really matter. But I think like in today's day and age, with um, two things, with how much people see of people's lives, I think that they feel closer to folks than they may be. Yeah, it, exactly. And I, and I do, you know, I'm not an advocate for, for violence, you know, but what happened with the Dave Chappelle situation, you know, maybe that is a deterrent for someone else doing some crazy shit like that. Right. Like the guy, you know, the, he became a meme, obviously <laughs> it, was, it was sad that he got, beat up the way that he did, but he brought it on upon himself, right? It was true. This country, we have a thought of self-defense. That was um, a case of people reacting to a danger that was presented uh, to someone else. And, you yeah. know, and these situations get tricky there too. How how are we supposed to handle these nut jobs? You know, we've seen it throughout the NBA playoffs, like people tying themselves to baskets. Like we're seeing a lot more of a chaotic and uncertain and unstable country and i think there is um, a responsibility for organizations and the power structures that we pay into you know most stadiums are taxpayer funded um and they generate a lot of revenue and the they're being revenue is being generated both at the hollywood bowl and at these basketball stadiums by virtue of these players going on the court and performing and playing they are priority number 1 in those environments you can this isn't a point about celebrities having a higher stance in 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 society or being treated that just is the nature of society but in those specific types of environments you do have an obligation to protect the talent and protect the people that are generating the revenue for you yeah and i mean i think the other side of it is, isn't that what you came to see? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Why are you going somewhere that and spending your money to be like, this is the other thing about society that I don't understand is how much people invest time and money on things that they don't like just to cause controversy or be an issue. If you, it's the simple life is simple. If you don't like something, tune it out. Don't give it attention. Spend your money and time on things that you like doing. (laughs) You know, it's a, it's an interesting era as well. Cause through these playoffs, um, I think, you know, maybe we'll just jump to that topic right now, but through the playoffs, we've seen so much vocalism from the players about how the media is covering them. Um, I was genuinely surprised um, to, uh, I mean, maybe not extremely surprised, but surprised that a media professional would say this. Uh, The comments about Draymond Green, he used a a racial slur. I think he said knuckle dragging um, about Draymond Green. And first of all, like I I tweeted this, but like that's the shit that made me leave Memphis, bro. Like, fuck that. You know what I mean? That's why I left the South. Like, don't talk like that. No one has that right. Well, you know, and and you bring up a good point, like the reality of this situation is there's a lot of white America um, who is upset at these players because they make a lot of money doing something that they think is fun. So it's like this weird dynamic and and players that 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 I know have always talked about. It's like this weird dynamic where they have adulation and they love them. But on the flip side, there's also this dangerous side of especially when you go to away arenas where there's this this envy that manifests itself in the worst ways and it shows people's worst traits and the fact that announcers repeatedly say things like this and get away with it 
Um, there are very minimal consequences typically. Sometimes consequences are real um, is another problem, like the Draymond Green situation where he said he'd be happy to take the fine. Like literally the Memphis fans were cheering when the guy was hurt and like bleeding out of his eye. Like I know he's a tough guy. I know that he sometimes does some things that are, are dirty on the court. Um, but at the same time, it's within the game. Um, and you don't ever cheer for someone's someone's uh, someone's injury. Um, no, and that, plus he gets punished for the things he does that cross the line. He misses a game. He gets his flagrant flagrant calls. Like he has yeah. accountability. There's account. He has to face accountability, as you said, right? Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not the audience's job to create that. I understand that these atmospheres get charged up, but yeah, anytime somebody gets hurt, like it's it's sad when you do see people cheer. Yeah, especially to that degree. And it's um, it's just the environment overall is just it's unfortunate. This is happening at football stadiums. There's just like a, a – it's, of course, media-driven. There's just like these tensions that are just being reinforced constantly and making people act in ways and, and actually feel okay to act in ways that are just completely unacceptable. Yeah, yeah. It's – um. You know, I, I think that's where some of my pride of uh, being being an Ohio State fan comes from, is I remember even in the Michigan games, you have, you know, if someone gets hurt on the opposing team, the arena gets, you know, the stadium gets silent. Yeah. People, people, you know, people pay their respect. And you, you got to recognize that the, the athletes out there are giving a lot to give you the experience. And so if they get hurt in that process, that's that's a very sad thing. There's nothing to celebrate. No, there absolutely is nothing to celebrate in those situations. But, you know, shifting to, to, to more on-court stuff, which is more enjoyable, is um, overall these NBA playoffs have, have been great. I mean, it's a great uh, outlet for me at the end of the day to turn on the games and watch them. Um, and, you know, I, was, I really enjoyed uh, yesterday's game between uh, the Warriors and, uh, and Memphis. Memphis had – the lead in that game all the way up until three minutes, but you just knew when you were watching that game, that golden state was going to get it together. Oh, for 15 from the three point line to start the game. I've never seen a stat like that. <laughs> um, you know, and both teams were dealing with adversity. John Morant, obviously being, um, being out of the game due to injury. Um, and also um, Steve Kerr, missing the game like literally an hour before due to COVID. Hopefully we don't see any more positive tests as a result of his positive test, considering his, his, uh, how, how close he is to everybody involved in the organization. Yeah. Um, that would be, that would be unfortunate if, if, if that happens. Um, but this series overall, you wouldn't expect it. Like it's, it's really a, a aggressive, like, 10th series right you yeah have the desmond bain thing you have now memphis dylan brooks dylan brooks, dylan brooks. yeah uh, and now you have you know the grizzlies saying the jordan pool intentionally injured uh intentionally yeah. injured job media right? firing back and forth on both sides you have yeah. an intense yeah. level of play on the court a flagrant almost every game yep yeah, yeah, it's it's not what you expected to see from a Western Conference series. That's <laughs> especially from the Warriors because they don't usually get this physical. Usually, they're you know running around shooting threes and winning by twenty five points. But I think it, it there's a lot of credit that Memphis deserves because even without Ja to be able to hang in the game 
and stay so close. Ja, like one thing I noticed in, even in the game before, he's a very vocal leader for the team. He's telling everybody where to stand. He's telling them what to do, how to move around the court. Um, man, I mean, even without that kind of leadership presence to be able to hang like that all the way to the end, I'm impressed. I think Memphis has a really, really great team. Yeah, it's it's impressive. And I think to underscore kind of like what happens in basketball, both of these issues, losing your coach an hour before the game for Steve Kerr is the best in-game coach in the entire league to lose that. You know, this is no disrespect to Mike Brown for Mike Brown. And I always be prepared. Right. But yeah. that's not something you're prepared for. Um, and it's a shock to the system. And you saw it reflected in how Golden State came out and played um initially credit all credit to memphis and their coaching too because golden state i'm sure prepared for john morant to be in the game it actually created it's it's it created a situation where memphis had the opportunity to create a game plan that golden state had no idea which way they were going they obviously um prioritized jaron jackson but it exposed kind of the hole in memphis which is they need another a second person who can create and go? They can go to for shots. Jaron Jackson played an incredible game, yeah. but that isn't his role, and they don't have a second guy um, on the team that can that can create their own shot. And that's that's really going to be the challenge. Um, this series is pretty much over yeah. at this point. So. I'm Memphis in the offseason too. I'm looking for a veteran backup point guard, somebody who's a facilitator, pass first, who knows how to run an offense. Or I'm going and trying to convince Bradley Beal to come to Memphis. Okay. That's what I, that's if Bradley Beal comes to Memphis, yeah, he he would be a great fit. That's a good. That's a great point. Um, yeah, incredible series. I think we're probably going to see Golden State take it. Um, you know, V. The other thing I was thinking: the NBA has this tendency. They've been kind of caught this this um, this playoffs in how the calls have kind of been leaning one way or the other. And uh, I don't know if you saw the comments from Tim Donahue. The he was the ref that was. Um, kind of kicked out of the NBA and got in trouble for um, helping folks bet on games. But he uncovered or at least shared some information that I didn't know, which is that after every game, the NBA gives the refs a compilation of the calls they missed. And if they want the game to go a particular way, that competition, that compilation is mostly on one team, not the other. And so they use these types of you know tactics to influence the game. The NBA is at such a high level. It just takes a little push one way or the other to dramatically alter the course of a game because there's so much momentum being built over time. A foul call here or there can really break a team's momentum. Um, I felt, you know, the COVID test with Steve Kerr was a surprise for me considering the NFL doesn't even do tests anymore this whole season. And I just wanted to know if you thought, was there some intentionality there in getting Steve Kerr out of this game to try and create an opportunity for Memphis to even the series? Um, I don't I don't necessarily think that's the case. So from the very beginning, the NBA has been more, um, more stringent in their COVID protocols um, than the NFL has been. Um, I, I, I don't think that that's true, but I will point out, you know, refereeing has always been something that um, it's kind of this area where it's 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 almost taboo to criticize it because if it's undermined, it's very similar to like what's happening with the Supreme Court right now in a in a in a far less serious sense, in the sense that these people are there literally to be the objective 
um, people to keep a game in control and keep it fair, um, the amount of evidence and the amount of information that's coming out, they are human beings too, right? And how they take out their personal vendettas or whatever they're going through on players and impact games in certain ways. Um, I do think that it is it is important to take a look at and constant look and hold them just as accountable. And this is the other issue that players continue to have, which is we are constantly held accountable, right? There should be some sort of measure if you miss a certain number of calls, blah, 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 you know, that, you know, that you face, you face consequences um, as a result of your actions. And I just don't think that the bar is set high enough in these scenarios for um, the officials in all, across all leagues uh, to be held held to the level of accountability that they should be. Yeah, I think so. I think the even the last two minute reports the NBA does, I think that's been a helpful addition. But I, I tend to be in the camp that believes that the NBA does intervene to extend a series every now and then. Yeah, they do. They extra do. dollars. They do. Um, outside of that series, which has been, I think, by far one of the most entertaining I've ever watched, um, the Bucks Celtics series has really taken a shift. The Celtics, out of nowhere, have shown a tremendous amount of life. I thought they were done after the first game um, that I watched. What are you thinking uh, when it comes to that series? Do you think the Celtics are going to be able to take this one over? Here's the reality. The Celtics have been an underachieving team for the last three or four seasons. When you look at the talent balance between those teams, Memphis, especially without a Chris Middleton um, in the game, it's, it's literally been a showcase of just how good Giannis is because they have no business with this series. This series should be three, one, not two, two. Um, Boston is, is showing up. Um, Al Horford had an amazing game last night. I think Giannis shouldn't have dunked on him like that because it woke up, (laughs) woke up a sleeping giant uh, clearly. But if you look at this Boston team, I mean, they're stacked. They're not an underdog in this series. Yeah, Milwaukee is the defending uh, champion. But without Chris Middleton and you look at this, you know, you got a stacked squad over in Boston, you know, um, three three all-star caliber players plus uh, depth um, and a good front court. So it's going to be interesting, you know. I don't – I can't pick – Milwaukee here be without Chris Middleton. Hopefully he comes back and will be unfortunate. Um, but regardless, I think this is one of those scenarios where you have to show a great degree of respect um, to Boston, but also show a great degree of respect, even if Milwaukee loses um, to Giannis, um, as well as the team overall for keeping it as competitive um, as they've kept it. Every one of these games is going down to the wire. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, the other series that was a, a big surprise for me, speaking of you know underachieving, um, the Suns versus the Mavericks. I thought the Suns were going to come into this uh, playoffs and just absolutely dominate. The series is now tied 2-2. When you listen to this podcast, it won't be tied 2-2. Um, I did not expect the Mavs to be able to hang with the Suns. And to me, it's more a symptom of the Suns having regressed a little bit from where they were you know, kind of in their peak in the middle of the season. And I think it, it kind of goes to show that peaking at the right time is really what, what this league is about. And I think we saw the best basketball the Suns played a little bit um, a little bit earlier in the year, kind of in the winter time. I, I just haven't seen that same level of cohesion and um, you know excellence out of them. From time to time, you see it from a unique player. But 
really it's it's you know where's where's the deep book that you know was in the mvp conversations or you know we thought would be you know what i mean yeah i mean there's there's two things going on one the Suns have dealt with dealt with a lot of late season injuries and their chemistry is clearly off um but the other part of this is and this is an interesting storyline about how to build your team and organization around your star um and i think the mavericks have done a wonderful job of building a team around luka Doncic's skill set right um this is a ball dominant guy who who needs the ball in his hands but they've taken a a a, a very anti nba approach in the sense that it's not filled with a second star or third star, but it's a whole bunch of guys who really know their role, underdogs who are playing above level, and a guy who kind of can orchestrate um, the team like a conductor and Lucas. So um, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, Phoenix should be, you know, steamrolling the series, but Dallas did finish as one of the top five seeds. So they have something, you know, they have something there that is that is powerful too and they have a good team you know and it's not going to be an easy series there isn't the western conference is is there's a reason why they're stacked so 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 highly at the top yeah agreed uh, the other series that turned into a big surprise was the sixers and the heat uh, this was one i thought the heat were going to be able to walk away with just observing the dysfunction within the 76ers organization and seeing the Joel Embiid injury at the end of the last series he came back like a beast. The Sixers had an amazing game from James Harden as well on the last game. So, you know, unbelievable kind of performances when they needed them and were able to even the series back up. Uh, I, I'm genuinely surprised. I think the Sixers are under a lot of flack this year as well, um, not only because they've underachieved, but also because Doc Rivers has this history of just underachieving in general in the playoffs. Um, I think Joel Embiid is the type of dude to completely change the energy of a game, though. Uh, same way that Jimmy Butler and a lot of players on the Heat can. So this series, to me, is a, a full coin toss. It's a really interesting one to watch play out. Well, with a, with Joel Embiid in the lineup, the Sixers are clearly a favorite in this series. The the, the Heat literally have no one. You know, Bam Adebayo cannot check him. Um, Joel Embiid is is the biggest matchup nightmare when healthy in the entire NBA because he can play inside, outside. He can play the post. He's a defensive monster. Um, and it's a terrible matchup for this Heat team because they literally don't have anyone who can check him. Um, but, you know, and then, you know, thankfully James Harden earned his paycheck. Um, and that was actually the most complete game I've ever seen him, from him in in his career in terms of a pressure situation and in a pressure game. So uh, I'm sure the Sixers are happy with that, happy with the response that they're getting um, from him. And they're actually, they are the favorite in this series. It's not Miami. Um, they, they should be the favorite, but you know, at the same time, like it's not going to be easy because Miami is a well-coached team. They'll make adjustments. Um, and Jimmy Butler is a true superstar. Yeah. I completely agree. I think the Miami team is unbelievable. I have a tremendous amount of respect for Eric Spolstra and what he's been able to do in the playoffs, you know, repeatedly. He's a brilliant coach, amazing at adjustments. Um, I think game five, which, you know, will be over, we'll probably see the Heat take this one. We'll probably see this series go to seven, though. Um, the thing that I wanted to talk about with this series that surprised me is seeing Duncan Robinson get all these DNPs. 
who is, you know, I think he got a $90 million contract over five years. He's a pretty well-paid player. Um, it's rare to see a team take a player who has that large of a contract and literally not play him at all. Um, the, the kind of perspective is that they feel his defense may not be up to par to be able to hang in the series, but with with the Heat, they're just not making threes this series. It's the reason they're losing these games, and I think you need a player like that out there, and you just have to compensate in terms of either a defensive scheme shift, maybe switching to zone, which we've seen the Warriors do really successfully at the, against the Grizzlies. Um, what do you what do you think about seeing a player who's who's got such a large contract being sat for so many games? Look, I, I'm never one that thinks that an NBA coach is beyond criticism. You know, typically they make mistakes and they make um, strategic mistakes as well. But one thing I will say is that if he's not playing, um, Eric Spolstra's kind of earned enough respect in this league that there's probably a reason that he's not playing. Um, whether it's injury or whether it's fit or scheme or lack of defense, I'm not sure what it is, but the overall point is that why would you pay a guy $90 million and not play him? Right. That, that kind of is um, the thing here, but I do think the, 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 the good thing about having a veteran coach and having a veteran front office person like Pat Riley is that they have the trust in each other that if a decision like that is made, it's simply being made on strategy. It's not based on a guy's contract. And the Heat organization has shown this over, you know, since Pat Riley has, has been running the team, that accountability, um, they're going to play the people that they think have the put them in the best position to win. It doesn't matter what your contract says. And if they make a mistake, they'll, they'll move on. I personally thought the Duncan Robinson contract was an overpay and overreach. He's a great shooter, but I didn't see – the dynamics in the rest of his game to justify paying just a shooter 90 million, especially when you have Tyler Harrow, who is more of a dynamic player um, who offers you some of the exact same skills. And Victor Oladipo, who's an incredible player who's, you know, obviously has come back from injuries, still kind of like finding his footing again, but you know, at, at his peak was in that same tier as, as Jimmy Butler and as a lot of these other stars. Um, Kyle Lowry's out for game five. So we may see Duncan Robinson return to the lineup as a result of losing a guard. Um, but he do have a good roster. They have a great team. And it's surprising to see how much that they, they struggled this past past couple games against the Sixers. Yeah, I mean, he's not the only one. They've, you know, Markeith Morris has been getting uh, DMPs consistently as well. It's interest, It'll be interesting to see how the Heat... Um, Heat adjust, but I do think that the organization has trust in their coach and their that this isn't something personal, right? Like you see yeah, this definitely. sometimes in in NBA organizations where you know, and with the Texans specifically, what you saw with dumbass Bill O'Brien trading DeAndre Hopkins because he didn't like the guy. <laughs> you know, that's not that's clearly not what's happening here. Um, I hope Duncan Robinson gets the opportunity to play and and shows out and earns his contract. You know, hundred percent. So NBA, man, what what a time this to me, this is my favorite time of year from now until the end of the NBA finals. It's just the most incredible basketball you see all year. It's entertaining. It's interesting. The narratives are so fun to just buy into and argue about. It's a great time for basketball. Um, In addition, it's a great time for hip hop. We are seeing so much music come out. It's been an, an exciting couple of weeks. So 
Um, we had Future's album come out. We had Jack Harlow drop a project. We've got Kendrick dropping this week. And we have more coming all through the summer. Uh, to me, one thing that's been really impressive is watching Jack Harlow really take advantage of the moment that he's in the middle of. I think this is a guy, you know, two things. One, he, he quit smoking and drinking to really focus on his craft and lock in professionally to make sure that he could get to where he's at highly respect that highly respect the dedication and the second thing is that he understands how to be in the shine he's not he's not hiding from it he's stepping right out there and uh it's interesting as well to see uh his relationship build with drake and to see even drake's actions and the way that he he's maneuvering drake is a master of understanding what the next trend is and being being a part of that and Drake seeing Jack Harlow, seeing the wave he's on, them kind of becoming, you know, kind of a, a little duo at the Kentucky Derby this past weekend, putting out all the social media content. Um, it's it's new. It's different. It's interesting. And, you know, I, I highly respect Jack Harlow's marketing ability. Yeah, he's a tremendous marketer. And that's what, um, you know, that underscores, you know, part of what this game is about, which is how do you how do you market yourself, right? Um, but the question always comes with these situations is the product behind it um, supporting the hype, right? And quite frankly, you know, I'm a, I'm a Jack Harlow fan, but quite frankly, the album was, was fell flat based on the hype around the album, right? Mm-hmm. You, this happens a lot is they build up the hype machine and then because, and that sets the bar of expectations. I'm trying to figure out whether it's because my expectations were set so high that I'm a little disappointed or if the album is just mid, you know, yeah. uh, um, because it is a production is amazing. Um, but I, I was expecting more growth um, here. And some of the songs are really good. The content is good. The messages are good. The track with Drake, you know, Drake really did come with it. Um, but I, I was, I don't know how you felt, but from a personal standpoint, I don't, you never want to overly criticize someone's art that they put time into um, and energy into, but I just, personally, I wasn't, I wasn't as, as moved by the album as, as I had expected, even though I didn't have a lot of expectations going in. I like Jack Carlo, but I'm not sure if um, he's someone who I want to listen to a whole album of. Yeah. I was a little underwhelmed as well, but you know, I, I wouldn't entirely put it to um I wouldn't criticize the art personally. I would just say I'm probably not as demo. You know, I'm older than him already. Like if yeah. I was nineteen in college and I was looking for something to bump on the weekends or when I'm partying or whatever, it would be this Jack Carlo project. And I think back to Thank Me Later, which was highly criticized when Drake put it out because people were saying, oh, it doesn't really show much growth. It's really similar to you know what he's done already. Um, this, to me, feels very similar to Thank Me Later. But as a kid, I love Thank Me Later. It's one of my favorite projects from Drake. It still is. And I just think it's like with a lot of artists, I think it's just timing and like where their fans are on the journey with them in terms of how these projects resonate. I think one thing that also stood out to me is that I, I was watching some interviews around this project and Jack Harlow was talking about his his desire to try and make bigger tracks. So essentially shooting for things that would resonate with a larger audience. And whenever you're doing that, whenever you're creating things for a larger audience, you lose individuality. Things get a little bit more generic. 
And that's what I felt listening to this. I think when I listened to early Jack Harlow, when I first got put onto him, he was a kid in Kentucky making mixtapes and he was nuts as a rapper. And as time has progressed, he has focused a lot less on the actual technical aspects of rapping and storytelling and focused a lot more on the cleverness of rhymes, finding quotable lyrics and essentially really trying to take the same lane that Drake has in terms of what he's built in his career. And so I think that this feels like a move in that direction, which to me is not extremely interesting from an artistic standpoint, but I think there's definitely a huge market for it. Yeah, there's there's definitely a huge market for him, right? He's a commercial success. Um, and But, you know, as, as a white rapper, you're always going to be, com- with, with this level of hype, you're always going to be compared to Eminem, right? And uh it's 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 clearly clear that he's not in in terms of technical skill and flow and everything that he's not even he's not there right it doesn't mean and you know he's not it, it's it's very challenging in hip hop to follow up your your first album and he's not the first artist that struggled with his follow up album your criticism is higher people are expecting more of you um but what I had hoped for more than anything was some more risk taking in terms of flow. The thing, I think he's witty. I think his his punchlines are amazing. Like he's he's a very good rapper. But it's it's like there's there's rappers that say like I, I don't want to hear ten songs of the same flow. Yeah. And that's that's really where I think the growth could happen is in the flow, um, and, and taking some risks and going outside of his his comfort zone, which, you know, the criticisms of Drake's albums typically are because he does take risks, right? It's not because they sound exactly the same. Yeah. He tries, he tries to change things up. And most of the criticism that he receives initially is a result of that. But then because just like with social media, because everybody is forced to hear his songs over and over on every platform, whenever they turn on the radio, whenever they turn anything, I always find like two weeks after the criticism that everybody is is vibing to the song that they say that wasn't very good. You know, it happens every time with Drake. Hundred percent. Drake has Drake has really perfected that. I wonder if I'll feel that way about some of these tracks off of this album. Nothing really like resonated with me, and I think it's for the reason that you're saying. V is just it just sounded very similar all the way through. But yeah. uh, I mean there's uh, i don't remember where i heard this but essentially like every generation needs to hear the same information through the the mouth of their you know prophet if you will yeah it, the information's the same as you know we got from our folks that we listen to yeah deliver yeah. which that they want yeah yeah and, and it's funny when i look at, at music now especially like i've been in this for a long time i i generally respect and appreciate the fact that all music isn't for everyone right and um his music is clearly for his fan base i don't know how the numbers are going to do um but you know we'll see i thought future's album was good you know album i i was really really happy with that one man like yeah that has been really on loop for me and i think future future just he gets what we want from him it's that's why they call him can't miss future you know (laughs) (laughs) he never misses he never misses you know and 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 that's something that i think should be appreciated about about him and his talent is um he doesn't he doesn't change that much 
um, but he knows what his audience wants and gives it. But at the same time, there's an energy um, there where you, when you listen to Future, you see the de- talent development. You know that he really works on his technical craft, really makes changes, really improves every aspect of, of his music. And it may sound all the same to some people, but I, I notice it specifically. You miss some of his lyrics. You miss some of the things that he's saying because you're just caught up in how good it sounds, you know? That opening uh, track, 7, 12 p.m., I just thought was kind of peak future quality. It was it was incredible flows. The beat was insane. He, he has this way of just riding the beat and just taking you through it where you, you can you start the track and you just like don't really know how long it's been when it ends. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's got it, man. He's got it. And, you know, the thing I was most excited about for the week was uh, Kendrick's surprise release of his video and single. First of all, it was it was so Kendrick yeah. uh, <laughs> because you just have to appreciate a guy that takes his time with his craft and just doesn't put shit out. Yeah. People have been waiting for a Kendrick album or Kendrick content for a long time. Um, and I don't think anybody who's a fan of his or a fan of real music, a fan of real hip hop, lyricism, um, I felt a sense of people were waiting for something like this. They were so tired of everything that was coming out and they were just waiting for this moment, you know, and he delivered in yeah. every possible way. I don't I don't know personally if if the content of the song and the flow style is going to resonate with a younger audience. And just as we said with Jack Carlo, um, everything isn't for everybody. And I, and I, it's always been interesting and, and it's your generation and younger. I think we've had this conversation, although people respect Kendrick's talent. I don't think people who are like, for the most part, the mainstream listeners of hip hop that are 28 and under really are like, I got to listen to my guy. I got to go tap into Kendrick. I got to go listen to Kendrick. It doesn't seem like, that's the case now you see it with the older anybody who's 30 and older it's like kendrick is their truth sayer and it's just interesting um to see that contrast in yeah in, in culture. i think the new generation you know the ones like in my generation you had you know your kendrick camp you had your j cole camp that was kind of one category you had your drake category and then you had you know the emerging kind of like future trap lane gucci main you had like that that whole ecosystem as well and like yeah Lil Wayne fell somewhere in there in the yeah. in that spread, right? Yeah. And you know, I, I always have kind of I like I appreciate the whole the whole spectrum. But yeah, I would put myself in the J. Cole Kendrick camp kind of over there. Yeah. Kendrick's the far end of the spectrum. He's yeah. so, and then yeah. uh you have, you know, this new generation. I feel like that that side of the spectrum kind of has turned into like alphabet soup rap, where it's just like every single complex word you can put in in a row. And the flows just sound like I kind of cool, but nothing is being said. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's just like, that's how I feel that that sector of rap has evolved because there's no consciousness in it anymore. It just, city is it's, just, it's just how things sound. Right. You know? Can you make this, something? This shit with Kendrick, bro, like even the video, even like the, the way that he communicates a message and the things he said ever since his first project into to pimp a butterfly. It's always felt like Kendrick became the voice of the people to an extent. J Cole was always the internal monologue and Kendrick was always the commentator. And yeah, this yeah. is probably going to be a great commentary album. 
Yeah, I've always leaned, you know, I enjoy and appreciate the entertaining aspect of music and, and when I'm in that mode, but I think in terms of like what it takes for me to respect and love an artist um, in, in any genre, it's like, what are you saying, right? Do you have something to say? Do you have thoughts? Do you care? Um, and I think what Kendrick does really well is take a lot of thoughts that a lot of, that a lot of people have and then is able to disseminate a message um, that you always say, yeah, that's what was supposed to be said about that. And he yeah. said it, you yeah. know what I mean? Um, and, and it's just powerful, man. He's, he is, um, this generation's Nas and I'm happy to see, I hope that he continues. I hope this album does well. And I hope that music like that and music like J Cole's, it's good to see that, but it also feels like there's nobody in this generation Corday, um, Corday, yeah, Corday's, Corday's, and and you see that he's having um, some problems as well. And Corday is really good. I really liked his his first album. Uh, I don't think he he still has some improving in some of the tech, the other areas of rap mm -hmm. to get to the level of Kendrick and J Cole. But he's he is that one guy. But it just seems like that is not. You know, and it, it just doesn't seem like that's a priority in terms of the direction of where hip hop is going anymore. Yeah, I think we've had the the clout era that we've been in the midst of for a minute. So, uh, you know, let's uh, let's applaud the return of the real this Friday. Uh, that'll be Kendrick dropping, and you know, we'll we'll have a really nice deep dive probably next week on this project because I know with the Kendrick album, first of all, it's a two parter that we thought Dan was going to be, which it yeah. was, and second of all it's always layered with so much symbolism and meaning and thoughtfulness. And I am just so excited to dive into the forums, to dive into Reddit, to dive into genius, read through all the lyrics and just see all the stuff that, that he's layered into this project. Yeah, it'll be fun. You know, last, the last topic, you know, that I, that I wanted to cover was obviously gas prices hitting a record high, not just to speak about gas prices specifically, but I know a lot of people are kind of going through sticker shock. Inflation is crazy. Um, you're, there's a lot of financial stresses that are going to be coming on society um, that you're going to feel the impact of, right? Um, and the, the question is, overall, how do you handle it? These times happen in society. I mean, I couldn't imagine if I was making $10 an hour and had to pay $5 a gallon for gas. And there are people out here who are going through that struggle, more people than aren't going through that struggle. So just be mindful, you know, that this is going to affect people's, people's mental states. Um, it's going to affect your interaction with people in, in, in public, um, that there is collateral impact to some of these issues. And hopefully we get to a situation where, um, you know, uh, prices for basic goods and things don't get to a point where um, normal everyday people can't function because that also leads to collateral damage and risks um, that we want to avoid. That was kind of what I wanted to say on this subject. Um, I don't know if you had anything to add. Parker. No, I mean, I, th I think that's the major thing is, you know, understand it's a tough time. It's going to be tougher moving forward. And, you know, people around you could use your support um, in whatever way you can provide it. You know, if you're, you need support ask for it as well from your loved ones and from the people close to you uh, in these times we can only band together and, and care for each other 100 percent. 
And with that said, we conclude another episode of, of news and news and notes. Um, to everybody out there listening, remember to stay moving and be you. You as fly. How the boys out. Rally boys, we get on up. We don't fly, boys, we get up.